Hello, I am Joe Rycroft. And I'm Adam Hewitt. Welcome to the Exercise Right podcast, the show where we delve deep into the world of exercise, rehabilitation and wellness. A fun, non-drab approach where Adam and I will be talking about all things exercise, physiology, health and rehabilitation, whilst debunking myths, making some complex science a lot more simple and giving you some tips and tricks to improve your health and well-being. Each week we will host guest speakers who are experts in their field and hear from you, the listener, to answer any of your questions. Hello, Evening, Ed. Joe. Evening, Ed. Regular Tuesday occurrence, I like it. I know, it's now in, in the diary, it's a fixture, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> good for you, because otherwise you forget and don't turn up. I, I actually, am a person of routine. One of these things, I there's a few comments that come about, and uh, you know, you relive, and also when I'm editing quite a lot, one of the comments that you said, which does stick with me a lot, is I've got an elephant, I've got a memory like an elephant, me. I never forget. And it's fascinating because we're organising this stuff. Very well. I think then, I remember certain things. So, there's a, so the last edit I was doing where you ran in, you were completely flustered. And I said, what, are you, are you all right? And you'd forgotten you had hockey practice that started oh, then. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, is, how is this I, memory of yours? I, I, I don't, don't think it's like an elephant anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I, mean, I'm, I run around more like a headless chicken. That's that's the better analogy nowadays. That's, I'm literally like, what time is it? Where is it? What day is it? <laughs> how late am I? What have I forgotten? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very fair comment. I can't use that analogy anymore, can I? I'll, uh, I do just... remember weird things from like way back when, though. It's just one of those things that's, you know, yeah. in the editing hours of the, you know. That's <laughs> like you, Joe's just the, full of bullshit. In the dark room when I've heard you say that sentence and I've listened to this episode four or five times and I'm going, that's just rubbish. You're like, cut. <laughs> that's not making the final edit. He's lying. <laughs> anyway. How's your week been? Anyway, I'm having a great week. I've had, I've had oh, so... Um, one thing I did remember to go to on, on Friday night was was book club, um, and oh. yeah, yes, for those listeners who are, who are intrigued, I am that cool. I go to book club. <laughs> so, which I we... wish I had that. So, four listeners there. That was that was said and leant forward. <laughs> In without doubt the most uncool fashion I've ever seen in my life. I mean, and just for just for the know, fact of anyone who says it's cool, so cool. I think that, I know, it, I jokes aside, I think book club's very cool. It's actually great, and I'm very, very, very lucky that they've ex- accepted me into the book club fold. I'm a, I'm a relatively new member, um, and we basically meet every month for six weeks to discuss a book. Um, which I I did I did read this month, which is a great book, and um, and it's discussed over food and wine, etc. You know, it's a bit of a social thing. Why am I telling more, you this? You're, more, you're book, more more wine, less book club, or depends who's asking. But anyway, <laughs> book club happened on Friday, and yeah. quite a lot of book club had listened to our podcast, which took me oh, a bit wow. by surprise. Oh, that's so nice. So uh, yeah, we've got some positive remarks, and I was like, oh. 
and famous. Well, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but you know, you you expect people. I think well, but you expect people to listen who are perhaps like more in your like working exercise yeah. world. Um, but you know, this is a you know a group of girls who do loads and loads of different things, oh, and brilliant. you know, certainly, you know, what what we do wouldn't be their day to day job. So I was quite quite excited by that. Well, I mean, thank you for passing that on. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, so, I I will I will back that up with we're in 22 countries now. So 22. 22. Oh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us go. I think this is probably one of those where the listeners are like, oh for God's Adam, like go to book club because they're more cool than you, rather than counting the countries on a daily basis. <laughs> what <are you> <laughs> you know, whatever gives you your kicks, it's it's all I am on that note, I'm genuinely excited about who we got on today. Me too. Um I think that it's one of those which is just gonna I'm just buzzing for it. I think the character, the personality is just gonna be fantastic. Um it's Erin Kennedy. M-B-E. Uh, oh, M-B-E, very much so. Um, and guys, honestly, give it a give it a listen. Uh, thriving after cancer and is has got a fantastic story. So um, give it a listen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Exercise Rights podcast. We are very lucky today to have Erin Kennedy, MBE, with us today. Erin is a two times world champion, three times European champion, um, Cox, and is also thriving after breast cancer. So welcome, Erin. I think, first of all, I recently saw one of your stories that said a year ago, you were you won a world championship medal, and that was just four days after breast cancer diagnosis. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So back in, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer back in May twenty two, um, and yeah, the next day, then I just got on a flight and uh, went out to the World Cup, and um, yeah, I raced raced that weekend. So yeah, four days after after my diagnosis, I won I won a World Cup, which was um, yeah, it was pretty cool, <laughs> pretty mad when I think about it. But yeah, and then. Literally uh, yesterday was a year ago that I won the European Championships while I was on chemo. So it's sort of weird. It's the last year of my life has absolutely flown, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I've packed a lot in. <laughs> I think that is, first of all, mind boggling and incredible, all wrapped up in one. But talk us through. I think the big question for me is what made you still get on that plane? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, so, you know, take it back kind of two weeks before. I was on training camp in Italy. Um, I'm actually recording from that, well, not exactly the same training camp, but same training venue now. Um, and I was on training camp in the shower, as you can imagine, you know, even more so when you're on training camp. You shower a lot of times in a day. Um, and I was literally doing a very high level sort of routine check um of myself in the shower and I found a lump which I was like "Mm, okay that doesn't that just doesn't feel normal felt a bit different and just like you know whether you've found a lump before or you've I don't know you've got a mole that you've all of a sudden noticed or something when you see something then you can't not to see it and then you're like you put on your top or you you know put your bra on or you take it off or whatever and you're like it's there oh my gosh it's still there it's still there and um 
Yeah. And, and so I, I went and got it checked when I came back, like immediately. And I had like a 10 day turnaround from camp to racing. So I think because of like the time constraints and stuff, I was already maybe in my head, you know, like planning, even though obviously your conscious self is like, it'll be fine. It doesn't happen to 29 year olds, etc. But I do think weirdly, because there was that like time constraint and I knew I wanted to go and race that I ended up thinking about it and then the follow-up appointment was due to be the day I was supposed to fly so I actually had to go to my team and say look I've got this follow-up appointment um would you be happy if I flew out a day late and they were like well, what if it's bad news like how would you would you still want to race and I was like yeah I would like because I'm not going to start chemo that weekend and what else am I going to do and but you're saying all these things not thinking it's real so yeah it was it was interesting. So I think like because of the time constraint, because I'd had a hypothetical conversation with my team, with my husband, like almost then, you know, when I got diagnosed and then I was like, cool, well, I'm going to get on the flight because that's what I plan to do. Um, and I think, to be honest, it was really good for me. Like it was the right thing to do. I think it was pretty hard for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was the slightly savage bit. Um, but for me, it was really good because I went and just did did what I love and, um, yeah, was able just to switch off from it all, really. On that plane, did your mind, what was your mindset? Was it directly onto, right, this is comp mode now, my head's, I've got to switch on, this is what I've got a job to do and it's my purpose here? Or was yeah. it, did it change slightly? Yeah, it definitely was. So basically, I got diagnosed, I had like the appointment in the afternoon my parents and my Sam, my husband's parents came over that evening. I spoke to obviously my coaches and stuff. Um, they came over because I was like, right, we just need to get this out of the way. Like we need to like talk about it and tell them everything I know, which at the time felt like loads. And actually looking back, I knew like a teeny tiny amount of what was actually you know going to come. Um, we had a Chinese. We talked about it, which is not the best pre-race meal but anyway <laughs> um and then I remember getting into bed and I just remember my husband and I were like crying and that's probably one of the few times we really like got that emotional about it mm. and then he drove me to the airport the next day and you know that was quite hard and then the funniest thing was I, I so obviously the whole team had gone out you know 80 90 people support staff athletes everyone the day before and on my flight I don't really know why but um, a sub team doctor, it's not our main one, but someone who's subbing in and the psychologist was on my flight and I saw her checking in like four, four or five people in front of me. And I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not giving up next to you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, I am, I am not going to sit next to you on my flight. I will request a move. Um, and I just said like Nobody the whole yet. time, <laughs> in, like T3, like dodging the site because I was like, <laughs> I need to deal with this. You don't um, need a window seat next to that. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was really funny. And then one of the commentators were actually on our flight and then she's lovely. You know, it's the same sort of commentators. And they're like, well, why are you here? And I was like, ah, oh, I just had a hospital appointment. And no one ever asks, you know, likes to ask a second question. And I was chattering with them when we were getting the bags and stuff. And then when they eventually found out what it was, they were like, oh my gosh, we were moaning about our bus being late and you'd literally been diagnosed with cancer. Um, but, you know, I think... I think I I think anyone can attest when you have um, a major shift in your life, particularly one you weren't expecting, you crave normality, you crave a bit of 
a bit of life carrying on whilst you know it feels like everything's going on so the main thing that I did again probably not the best pre-race stuff is I probably stayed up until like two or three in the morning um because I was determined that when I went to bed I would sleep I was like I'm not lying in bed and letting my brain go mad so I just um I just watched a lot of Downton Abbey (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah, well it's quite like I've, I've watched it before it's very low peril like it's quite easy you know and I was just like I need to watch I need to be tired and I need to sleep um and you know obviously I was buzzing on all sorts of adrenaline and everything and and I think you know I I sent a whatsapp literally to the squad telling them and I was like look this is what I know this is what I need from you and let's go and and then and they just really respected that and and I think that really helped as well and to be honest that sort of led me to that's almost how I've approached my whole kind of coping with this is like in these situations people don't know how to react so just tell them what you need um and it helps everyone out to be honest i was actually going to ask what what was it that you said to your team that you needed um i said i need everyone to act like normal i've got a job to do and i don't want hugs and i don't want people to ask me if i'm okay um and I need you know to basically enjoy the weekend because it might be my last weekend racing um and I thought you know what like I basically there was maybe of 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 the whole team maybe kind of 10 to 12 people knew just my close team and some of the coaches might have told the other coaches I don't I don't really know but very very small amount so most people didn't realize and I thought you know what, I'm just gonna sneak in there's such a big team no one will notice that I wasn't on the flight originally I'll just sort of slot in it'll be fine I turn up to the hotel and literally the entire squad is in the lobby about to do a team photo and I just walk in with my suitcase and everyone's like hang on a minute and I was like <laughs> damn for goodness sake <laughs> um and yeah and they just you know and, and I think uh, even like my parents when they walked in we've got really really long flats and I was in the ki- in the kitchen and they were I heard them come in and my husband let them in and I heard it just the tone I don't even know what they said and I just shouted down the corridor I was like good vibes only <laughs> because I was just like oh I can't deal with a pity party I really can't and you know different people need different things and mm. you know it, it and for me I I I just needed um yeah I needed a bit of resilience from people around me when and that's you know, I did an interview after Euros um, and, you know, everyone's like, oh, it must be really hard for you. And and I remember saying to the BBC, I was like, it is, yeah, but like, I think it's really hard for like my team and everyone else around me because I think actually, you know, like at least you're in control, you're managing it and not sometimes it's the other people who, who are just watching you do it and they, they can't influence it. I think that's really hard. Mm. You're... I mean, the normality side really, that really struck with me there. That's what you, you you needed to strive for that almost structure and the planning. And that's what gave you the foundations. Mm. Was that your natural inclination pre-diagnosis as well? And has it over this course of the year, has that normality and the structure been your solace? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I mean, athletes are a creature of habit, right? Like, you know, whether you are, you know, a, a gym goer or my sister's a rugby player, like, you know, 
you know my sister's a great example she's like so on Tuesdays to Thursdays I, I you know I train and then I do uh, weights on a Friday and then I'll do a match on a Sunday and you know and she gets to the summer and she's like I'm so lost what do I do and she's <laughs> like it's pre-season I was like you've just finished the season um you know and, and I think um my oncologist laughed with me because they were like you are just such a good patient I was like thank you because <laughs> I basically just do what I'm told <laughs> um like athletes just we're just I mean ironically my job is a lot of the time doing the telling but equally you know I'm still under my coaches and my SNC and all of those people and so if a physio tells you to do rehab you flip and do it like otherwise your physio will be really painful next time um and so yeah I actually really enjoyed and craved the normality of training um and going in and seeing my friends and and you know doing some exercise but actually weirdly like chemotherapy is such a like an enigma one of the reasons I wanted to be really open about it is because like I've got people I've been really close to who've had it and been through it and I couldn't tell you what it's like like everyone just knows from the telly like oh hair loss and they look a bit tired and they might be sick but there's just so many other things you kind of go through and deal with and that's one of the reasons I want to be really open about it but one thing you don't also realize is like it's just it takes so much time um out of your week especially like I was on bi-weekly treatment for a while but then I was on weekly treatment for three months but it's not just the weekly treatment it's then the day before or two days before depending on your treatment you've also got to go in for bloods so you never quite know if you're going to have it and thankfully I was really lucky I only had two postponements of the whole 15 rounds which is pretty rare um you know normally you'd end up with more but you know essentially like by the time I was on weekly treatment I basically did bloods Wednesday chemo Thursday chill Friday it sounds like a song and then I did like you know a bit more on Saturday Sunday I was feeling more myself I went into training Monday Tuesday and then I was straight back into bloods on Wednesday and yeah. um, now you said it sounds like a song I can't you know exactly what song it is <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to break out into Craig David here. Exactly. <laughs> um, but literally that was just my life um for three months. And it was really um yeah, it was it was kind of odd. And like it's there's a lot of mundanity in in chemotherapy, which sounds odd, you know, no one thinks it's exciting, but it's it's very much, you know, go in, tick the box, you know, take the drugs, go home. And um yeah, and I sort of really cherished the kind of training side of things. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie, like my, my training program sort of looked like breakfast club, really, <laughs> you know, I'd go hootle on the bike, maybe if I was following the athletes or oh, a bit a bit tired, if there was like a headwind, I'd be like, oh, just gonna have a minute. like, you know, and go and have breakfast. But then I'd maybe do a bike or something myself or, um I didn't lift weights which I really missed during treatment because it was just probably not the right I was asking my muscles to do my body to do a lot and then you know lifting weights is basically just ripping your muscles and asking your body to repair them and I thought I think it's doing enough um but I really missed weights and stuff but I tried to keep the cardio up but you know then I'd have lunch and then I'd go home um rather than do a three session day so it was just pacing myself and things like that and um yeah, I'm someone who doesn't do that very well. So I had to be really strict. <laughs> I'm interested in, did you get any advice from um, your oncologist around exercise? And yes. So, uh, what was it? 
Yeah. Um, so there are some incredible stats about exercise and um, well, there's exercise and cancer and then exercise and chemo. Um, like breast cancer is obviously is a great example with people. People tend to think it's an unlucky cancer um, or a hereditary cancer, which it is to some extent. Um, obviously, there's the genes and things like that as well. But actually, like breast cancer is really impacted by lifestyle factors um, in breast cancer because um, essentially uh, is to do with kind of there's basically two different hormones and a protein that you can be receptive to in breast cancer. That's why you'll hear lots of people talking about HER2 or triple negative, which I have, or triple positive, and it's just all related to these three things. But basically, um, you know, if you are less active then you're tending to um, maybe overproduce hormones, uh, which then may mean you are more likely to have uh, developed breast cancer because you've got high levels of estrogen. Um, it's all these sorts of things. And um, so really interesting that, you know, breast cancer is directly like related to exercise. So unsurprisingly, if you do the government mandated amount of exercise in a week, um, it will significantly reduce your chances of getting many, many types of cancers. Um, but there's also a lot of evidence on the other side of things when you come out of um, having cancer. So anyone who has experienced it, again, there's huge stats about um, the big thing in cancer is, you know, generally it's a five year thing. You know, if you get past your five years, that's quite a big marker. Um, and it's if you're exercising, um, whether you exercise before or not, but obviously, as you can imagine, the stats of if you're exercising after is hugely improved your chances of survival. It's it's tens of percents which when we're talking about cancer is pretty significant and you know it's like get active um and then during chemo um there's loads of evidence that actually one exercise reduces um the impact of chemotherapy sorry but the side effects of chemotherapy um there's also with some chemotherapies evidence that if you exercise during infusion while you're having it um, it can boost the effectiveness of your chemo, which is just incredible. So some um, cancer wards actually have like exercise bikes, which yeah. you can literally be doing whilst you're hooked up. Um, and then there's also evidence that on the other side of things that essentially it can help you manage your side effects. Uh, but I also think, yes, it can help you manage side effects and there's the science, but there's also just the like softer side of that, which is like if you are um doing exercise what does that mean to you is that just going outside is that mm. getting up is that moving is that not just eating rubbish and sitting on the sofa and being really sedentary and don't get me wrong there's a time in chemo that you really need to do all of those things but actually um you know if you are moving and more mobile you are going to feel better in yourself because you're just getting some vitamin d and some fresh air I mean, uh, what a brilliant, brilliant answer. I think <laughs> from you were obviously very active and you had a, a program which is at an athlete, athletic level and a very successful athletic level at that. Did you still feel those, feel better from exercise, regardless of it being a lesser volume, lesser amount, maybe mm. less um s and c type i guess would be the yeah a, a very broad way of saying it yeah i was very sad that my muscles just disappeared <laughs> um, my arms became like 
I always really liked my arms and they just became little like little noodles which is quite sad um but um I still kind of felt the benefit from it in the you know the I feel good for doing that sort of Mm. feeling that you get when you've trained um if I'm honest I didn't miss the intensity or the extent of training because if I'm honest I just didn't have the beans for it like I um we'd normally use concept two bikes funnily enough you know being rowers concept two I goes concept two bikes (laughs) and um I would just cover the screen and go off my heart rate um because it was to be honest completely irrelevant what what I was putting down like I was I wasn't exercising for anything other than you know my health um and so I would just keep an eye on on my watch um and like normally if I was doing I never did more than I never did more than an hour and if I did I'd do it in like three 20 minutes with like five whole minutes off whereas normally if I was doing an hour session I'd just do an hour um so I definitely really felt the benefit um and I think it's also just like keeping you know again we're coming back to that like normality and that that routine and it just felt it felt nice to to do it and it sounds kind of weird but like um you know going back to like some of the side effects like when I started losing my hair and particularly like when I was completely I was completely bold for a while obviously um I thought I'd really care I thought I'd really you know take it to heart or, or whatever and um I sort of really embraced it like I kind of felt a bit liberated and I sounds really weird but I kind of enjoyed training just with no hair and I was just like because I'm not gonna lie have a lot of empathy now for bold people or you know people not a lot of hair it's really cold really cold and I also really struggled to manage my temperature anyway on chemo but you know you're in the gym you're moving you're active um and yeah I don't know I kind of like embraced it a bit and it was a bit like I don't know yeah it, particularly in Bisham Abbey where we train and we do weights if they were doing weights I'd normally I'd maybe do a bit of prehab or a bit of body weight sort of you know stuff before my surgery and um you know you'd see people from other sports we train with other sports there, like hockey and like uh sometimes the rugby teams are in and stuff and I'm like yeah I'm training and what like it was a bit you know like brilliant it it would just yeah I just kind of like the feeling of it because I was just like actually you know this is pretty cool that my body's allowing me to do this basically mm. and you didn't feel because you know I think it'd be very human to feel that you can't you know maybe don't want to be involved with that sporting and team aspect when you're going through your recovery um mm. was there any elements of that where you think actually do you know what and you, like you said you embraced losing your hair you embrace was it there's an element of that being like I'm here I'm I'm here to be counted and I'm embracing that too yeah definitely and and like it's an interesting one because one of the reasons like so I I basically got diagnosed I kept it on the down low partly because I wanted to make sure that everyone I that I wanted to heard it from me or let's be honest my husband because he was very good at doing that because actually telling people is horrible it's really horrid because also the people close to you knew that you were getting a lump checked or something but for other people who are you know that one step removed like all my uni friends and stuff like that like that's completely out of the blue for them from their perspective they're like oh Aaron's off doing some racing isn't that nice and on Instagram and then it's like bam actually I've got cancer and they're like oh um so I wanted to make sure everyone knew 
Um, but then it was getting to a point that I almost felt like I was being dishonest. So I wasn't like being, you know, I was disappearing off to go to appointments and stuff like that. And obviously my team knew, but the wider world didn't know so much. And I was at that point then all of a sudden, obviously regressing into like pandemic times where I was like, ah, COVID, need to stay away, need to stay healthy. I don't want to disrupt treatment. So I kind of, when I came out um, and said it, you know, really publicly on Instagram and stuff, and it went like, you know, people got a little bit of traction and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, actually, this is really, this is really important. And and my whole team really embraced me. And that's not just, you know, um, my squad, but, you know, the wider squad that we all train with. And to be honest, like um, the rowing world is it's quite small, really. Um, very active on Twitter like and I put it on Twitter and it just went mad like no one ever no one ever does anything with me on Twitter I got like 13 likes or something and then I like put it on Twitter and it went mad and it was just really it was just really lovely um and yeah it's an interesting one because I think it's probably like it felt like everyone was on my team like which of course they are you know but it felt really reassuring to know that that many people were sort of rooting for you and there was also not gonna lie the competitive side of me was like this at some point I'm gonna have to step back and I don't want anyone to think that I'm stepping back or I've been deselected I'm be you know it's a bit of a like I'm here I'm still here like don't you little whippersnappers think you can come and take my seat like I'm going to Paris and, you know, my road to get there is going to be not quite the one I planned, but, you know, I'm not disappearing. And I think that was quite key for me as well. Like if I just disappeared off the international stage mm. and I've been racing internationally since 2016, everyone would be like, where's Erin? Um, and I wanted to kind of, uh, yeah, make sure, make sure my seat was still, uh, still have my name on it. <laughs> was there any moments in that process and that period and, the 15 cycles you where you thought that you know Paris might not happen or was it a case of just your focus was this is going to happen and I'm not going to let my thoughts deter away from it um ah definitely yeah definitely was I definitely was worried um particularly at the beginning um you know everyone was like for me I'm like okay great so I'll have 15 rounds of chemo, fab, okay, I'll finish here, that's fine, and then I'll do this, and then my oncologist is like, (laughs) okay, sure, like, that's (laughs) not really how it works, (laughs) Um, you know, like, your body, you know, you need all your bloods to be good, you've got to have, you know, your chemo's got to happen on time, Um, you don't know how you'll respond to it, like, you can be really allergic to some chemos, Um, then we're you know, when also I had a double mastectomy. I had that to do, um, which is, you know, to basically a, a double amputation um, and the um, recovery and all of those sorts of things as well. Like, I think that's probably the hardest thing I found. So I basically did the Euros, which was literally, as I said, like a year ago yesterday. And then I basically finished my season there rather than carrying on to the World Championship. So I basically, because the World Championships were six weeks later, and um, I was selected for the Worlds, but um, a, a Cox, who actually is a really good friend, sort of stepped in. Um, the women's eight was, they didn't, they decided last minute to not send a women's eight to the world. So she sort of ended up boatless and I had a boat, you know, it, it sort of just serendipity kind of worked really well. She jumped in and um, it, it was really good. But normally after the Worlds, then you have a three week break 
and then the new season starts and I think the hardest bit for me was we had the break we restarted and I went in to see my coach at the beginning of the year and I was like oh my gosh like you guys are like let's go new season qualifying for Paris yeah and I'm like I have nine chemos in a double mastectomy before I can even think about that and I was just like I wasn't starting the season on the front foot like I wasn't even on the back foot I was like out the door down the road sort of (laughs) and like I think that was really hard so I finished my chemo in early December so I was like good you know we're we're tracking along and then my surgery was at the end of January and I think that was probably the biggest unknown then at that point because I felt like I knew where I was with chemo um I knew how I was getting on I knew where I was it was working all the things were going really well but chemo um sorry my surgery basically one in ten fail um and by fail they generally mean because I had implant reconstruction at the same time so that's an infection a rejection bear in mind I had a double mastectomy so you've got basically two wounds and two sites and they said essentially said yes while it's a like for like surgery you have to treat it like two independent surgeries because it's two scars it's this this and this plus I also had some lymph nodes removed so that was another scarring under my armpit like there's just a lot and and really that first three or four weeks was a bit like all right how are we doing um I had drains in, which are bizarre, very odd um, things. The sound of a drain being removed from your body is a sound that I never want to hear again. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, and I basically, I got through that month and then I was like, all right, here we go. I think we're all right. And, and that was that was probably yeah, early March. So really not that long ago, <laughs> I thought, hang on a minute. I think, I think it's on the cards because the reality is a side form of sport. Um, and uh, everyone uses the analogy, but it, it really works. It's a moving train, you know, and there is empathy and there is care for me as a person. But fundamentally, me having cancer does not mean the games is not going to be next year. And it doesn't mean that the team doesn't need a Cox who's firing on all cylinders to get them over the line first. And so you know unfortunately if I was up, not up for the job and able to basically run alongside the train and jump back on and manage which I've managed to do you know someone else would be there taking my place and yeah that was pretty they're in the darker times that's when you think oh my goodness you know mm. this could this could have a massive impact on my career very good analogy and that takes us to where are you now and I know we know you're in Italy but mm-hmm. on, um on the kind of spectrum of your I guess, recovery and from what you said, Paris is the next big goal. That's- yeah, yeah, definitely. So we're in training at the moment for the World Championships, which is happening in just under a month. Um, selection hasn't made yet. Um, so we're kind of all waiting on selection over the next week or two. Um, being a bit vague, but week or two, because, you know, not got long left. Um, but we're all training really hard for that. And then we've got a couple of weeks off. Um, so we've got that post break. And so my husband and I are actually going um, on safari on a very belated honeymoon after like three and a half years because of a pandemic, um, you know, cancer, all of that. So we got married in 2019, December. So just before everything went, you know, mad. Mm. Um, so we're doing that. And then the day after I get back from Kenya, I'm having 
surgery again. Um, so I'm basically my my reconstruction. I mean, science is incredible. My reconstruction, I had um, implants called expanders put in where essentially they're put in at 50 percent volume and they have a really clever valve, which essentially can be accessed through a needle straight into the valve, pushes into the valve. Um, and you can add a little bit of saline sort of every time. So you basically get expanded. And it's basically for people sometimes who have a full mastectomy and then later want to reconstruction, it, it slowly stretches the skin. Um, my surgeon did it because, you know, everyone wants a one stage surgery. But the reality is, you know, a double mastectomy straight into implants. It's just there's just there's more margin for error. And she knew kind of um, she knew I had a timeline. So um, I'm basically having these implants exchanged for um, hopefully implants that will last me sort of the next 10 years. Um, which is great but my my surgeon's just been a champ and she's just she's actually a rower as well and she um was my chief well he's not my chief coach anymore he's now my director of performance but my old chief coach from Tokyo um his wife's surgeon uh, she had breast cancer as well um and she was like you need to be treated under Tracy she's just she's a legend and she loves throwing and you know and so it's 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 been lovely and so yeah I've got some surgery and then we're basically into Paris year which is mad I mean a three-year games feels really real now um it's like oh my goodness it's come around so quickly so yeah it's going to be sort of games prep um all being well um yeah, a couple of World Cups next year, I'd imagine, the Euros. And then, yeah, off to Paris next. I think it's the very end of August we're competing. So, yeah, basically almost a year to go. What's your goal for Paris? Uh, winning. <laughs> 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 I'm, not, I'm not here for any other medal. Um, yeah, we. I mean, I'm really lucky to be part of a you know boat that well, it's GB's best performing boat. Like the legacy of this crew is ridiculous i think 14 years isn't it that's it yeah so wouldn't yeah, it be cool on, to be just... 15 next year you know oh, when we were speaking to ed about it we were uh, we just the idea of having that 14 year mm. is just so motivating but also daunting at the same time yeah it really is and i think um it's an interesting one because i think i don't know this makes maybe because i'm old or maybe because I've been in it a while, like, or because of everything that's happened, I definitely feel like, like, obviously I do, the four will lose at some point. It will lose. Um, and if it's outclassed by a better crew and it races its best race on the day. Anyone but the French, right? Eh? Oh, yeah. All the <laughs> Americans, to be fair. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, then, then, to some extent like because para rowing is 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 really developing um mm. and the rest of the world's getting faster and faster and, and to some extent you know it's, it's a good thing for the sport like um and you know it it, it will be yeah it will lose at some point but i just flipping over i'm never in it when it does <laughs> um and i think you know the sport's really coming along it's really exciting like um even looking at the world championships coming up Germany uh I'd say kind of you've got Germany France and America who are all kind of um setting their snipers on us um and you know we've got we've got a big job to do we've had 
it's amazing really how much personnel change there ha- that there is like I finished Tokyo and at the time we were all like yeah we're all carrying on um you know we're now looking at um well if the world champs crew is the same as the crew we've been racing in already just me and G are the only kind of same people from Tokyo and that's only two years on we've got an athlete Ellen um who was in Tokyo boat and she's had some hip surgery so she's sort of on the comeback for next year but you know no one's seat is safe and it's it's uh yeah it's an exciting year coming up and that you know they it's very funny me and G we're both in our 30s and we're like oh my gosh and you know so you met Ed he's an old man in a in a young man's body because he's, <laughs> he's very he's got a wise head on him but you know he's 20 for goodness sake um we've got another girl she's 21 one of the other boys has just turned 20 on this camp and me and G are like you don't even remember teletext like you you are younger than Toy Story like <laughs> this is just like you'll make a reference and they're like what and I'm like don't just don't worry you just go younger back to than TikTok. Toy Story that's gonna tickle go me. back to TikTok <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah. yeah we'll listen to our Walkmans <laughs> yeah I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm older than all of you, so I'll take it all on. <laughs> <laughs> How's your what your exercise regime and routine? And when you're talking about you know the idea of lifting weights and the idea of I guess the normality of what training was pre-diagnosis and mm-hmm. pre-treatment. Where are you now with that? And are you back to, you know, in inverted commas, normality with that? And two parts to that question how long did it take to get back into your stride and where you felt confident to do resistance work and build up to what you I guess was your normal yeah um definitely the cardio unsurprisingly kind of came back quicker um partly because I've been ticking along with it um and you know it's more isolated so I was able to get back to that sooner after my surgery um you know a lot of bikes and things like that I've actually started running as well which I still don't know if I like it or not but having spoken to a lot of runners I feel like that's the prevailing vibe um <laughs> yeah. I was like I hate this and then they do it and they're like I love running and then you're gonna like should you go for a run they're like absolutely not um so I'm still working on that relationship um but you know I think long term you know, I, I would love to do a marathon. I've always used to say I'd love to do a marathon just in my life. Do it one time. Won't be fast. But I I actually had quite big boobs before my, um, you know, mastectomy. Um, and I actually just found really, running really uncomfortable. So it is a very bizarre silver lining that I actually have started running essentially because I'm like, oh, I can actually do this now. Like I've literally got implants that surgically attached to my chest. Like I actually don't even need to run in a bra. Like it, they don't move. So um that's been quite fun I'm saying the loosest sense of the word but you know trying to start running and trying some new like modalities um and then weights has been um I've tried to in my positive ways thinking about okay this is a real opportunity to restart to hone technique because you're kind of ground zero you can start again in my like, I'm getting annoyed because I can't squat as much as I used to. Um, it's really frustrating. Like I remember getting in front of a mirror 
and squatting again and I'm like what are my knees doing like my knees are just like splaying all over the place and you know and it's like oh just going back to body weight split squats and you know and and I I used to also pride myself because because I used to lift for my um, you know 52 53 kilos I used to like punch quite well in weights and I was quite strong like deceptively and then I just felt like a little prawn so I found that quite annoying and then my coach is cruel because my squatting form had just disappeared. I'm like, he's like front squat. So I'm like, oh. um, so that's been quite interesting. And I used to do loads of pull-ups and I'm feeling confident in my body. I'm So what I'm sort of trying to navigate at the moment is like, I went to hang off a bar once the other week just to be like, I wonder how it feels. And I was like, feels weird, feels weird. Don't like it. Like, and obviously everything is fully healed there but it just doesn't feel right and like bench pull for example again I said my, my implants don't move um it's being confident to lie in front down on a bench pull and basically lift weights like um and so there's an element of kind of getting confidence in my body but also at the moment knowing that I'm going to have more surgery I'm sort of not getting too hurt up about that because whatever it feels like now may well feel a little bit different by the end of the year so I'm just sort of like rolling with it um and I think like the biggest thing you know for anyone listening to this is um you know if you're going to have surgery whether it's you know eight hour surgery like I had or it could be you know anything is like the NHS is amazing but what it doesn't have provision for is prehab and Mm. we should all prehab all the time like you know um preventable injuries you know and 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 so I spoke to my surgeon obviously I had the benefit of knowing that I was going to have a domestectomy quite a way away because I had chemo first and I said look what, what is there can I talk to your physios is there a preham she was like in the in the nice possible way you can talk to our physios and they can give you some stuff but like there isn't mastectomy prehab there isn't like here's your booklet like and she was like, do we want to, there probably should be, but you know, we're limited. Um, but she basically was like, look, you need to stretch your pecs as much as possible. You need to open your shoulders because um, one, like the stretchier your pecs are, because I'll be moving your pecs a little bit, um, uh, part of your reconstruction. Um, it means, you know, I, I'm basically pushing them less. And so your recovery will be better. Also, you know, the more you can open up your shoulders rather than, you know, if you think about that uh, body that you have when you're sat at your desk for too long, basically avoiding that, getting shoulders back because she was like, I'm going to be obviously operating there and your protective recovery position essentially for the next two months is probably going to be, you know, that position your shoulder forward. So the more you can start in a good place, the better. Um, and then she was like, and ultimately, if you do those things, it'll be easier for me to get in and do what I need to do. And you'll spend less time in surgery. So that's less time under anesthetic. So mm-hmm. aside from your rehab, it's just actually probably going to be better for your body. I was like, yeah, cool. So I I prehab for like two months, like stretching my pecs, um, like nothing dramatic, you know, and, and just stretching. And, and that was really, really good. And then um as I said I was a very good patient you know and did physio every day and did my stretches and and stuff and I think that really really helped as well and and that sort of helped me build confidence in my in my body and I think you know that's that's something that maybe you know the average um person takes for granted um 
because also a big problem with these sorts of surgeries is you get something called cording um which weirdly we don't even really fully understand why it happens um but it tends to be a lot with with um these sorts of surgeries but it also it, it literally is almost like a like a rope like feeling that um it more commonly is in your armpit uh, if you put your arm above your head um and it's to do generally speaking with your lymph nodes if you've had them removed and some people can get it really bad all the way down their arm um i got it weirdly kind of underneath my implant um and so you know it's managing those sorts of things and it, it can be physioed away and massaged away and stuff like that but it's those sorts of things which probably you know when you're on the flip side of something so big you're like oh for goodness sake like, how can I manage this um yeah and I think I think that's why I think being an athlete has helped me navigate this whole thing because my mindset has been you know supported and formulated by you know my experience as an athlete my understanding of the importance of rehab prehab exercise eating you know mental resilience and all that sort of thing I think you know 100% it's it's had a really positive impact on my kind of lived experience of um of yeah the last year and and allowed me then to kind of yeah hopefully like look forward and and make some plans for you know next year which is quite exciting it's, it's very interesting to hear your your kind of comments around athlete mentality and how that's helped you through your journey if there's people listening that perhaps aren't very active um and they have been diagnosed um with cancer what would you say to them in terms of keeping active or are there any kind of nuggets of advice that you would put there yeah I'd say like I think there's a really interesting I think like your word of active is key like I think there is and this is nothing to do with even cancer but people have a fear of like exercise because it's like it comes with body image and what you should be doing and you might be wrong and you might not do it properly and like and all of this like I think like my I've got some aunties who do walking netball they would not call that exercise like they wouldn't think about like they would never say I'm going to training you know but what they're doing is moving you know also having all the yeah, positive impacts of exercise which is like the social and the endorphins and the outside and the fresh air and the sunshine and and all those sorts of things as well as getting the movement benefit um so like I think when people get diagnosed sometimes they're like ah what are my controllables and they'll go to other things like um skincare and um eating and like I remember someone was like I'm going vegan I was like why would you do that to yourself if you weren't before like if you do that when you're about to go through this and like you it's more like it's not about the the choice it's more about you know what gives you energy and you know how to for example even I like if I my dad did my dad probably eats 60 70 vegan and then he'll come over like oh I'm eating vegan I'm like I actually don't even know what to cook you like when I was on when I was on chemo I couldn't think I, I like my my brain function really slowed down I was really sluggish so like to be cooking new recipes <laughs> on chemo like uh-uh. and so I think like people get scared of like exercise and activity and actually start with like moving and whatever that looks like for you and even if you can try and set yourself think really achievable like doing something four or five times a week and that literally can be walking around the block 
like that literally can be and so I basically said that like when I was on chemo I would go outside every day and I actually do have like a little block I live right next to the river so it's it's dead easy to literally shuffle my way down to the river and back again um you also I'm not gonna lie you lose as soon as you put like as I was losing my hair I put like a kind of um a these amazing like sort of pre-made turbans because I just could not tie them myself as soon as you put one of them on I can tell you you can walk out in town in anything no one cares what you're wearing someone feels really bad for you so like I use that as a complete license to like walk around town like an absolute tramp like I definitely hadn't showered like but I was like I'm getting my exercise and I'm getting out for the day and everyone was lovely to me and it was fine and like it's just sort of it's just being moving is 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 so important and I just think like it doesn't need to be training and exercise that can be saved until later because also if you've never done it before you don't really know maybe when you're pushing yourself too hard um and it's a bit like me saying you know when I decided not to do weights like I I my body was doing so much like I had I remember really clearly my first chemo was um I was on something called EC um which pretty much anyone who have chemo if they've got breast cancer will have EC um it's epirubicin and cyclophosphamide and it's known as epirubicin is particularly known as the red devil because it is bright red it's it's the color of something you should not be putting straight into your veins and I remember my nurse double gloving and like putting it in and they put it in a vein not in the crook of your arm then put it somewhere where they can see and make sure it's not seeping out of you know they haven't missed the vein because it can be that bad and I'm thinking right and this is going straight sorry this goes straight into my bloodstream like is this is this okay and like I just remember thinking like oh my goodness like I remember they said your first wee will be fluorescent red so wow. and they were like that, that's normal just FYI <laughs> and um and I just remember thinking like, yeah, I need to not push myself here. Um, and so for anyone listening, you know, you've got a cancer diagnosis and all that sort of thing. It's just like, listen to your body um, and, you know, get outside and move and and just kind of, yeah, like enjoy the control that you can have there um, because it will definitely make a really big difference to kind of your mental health as much as your physical health as well. I think that's a perfect um, answer because we, that's really why joe and i do this in that for number one I, i'm a bit i'm old and i don't like these fitness influencers that are doing these bloody fitness podcasts and it just annoys mm. me basically where they're you know they probably had nothing ever wrong with them and they can go to the, and they just they're preaching about what they should do but actually on the other side of it it's about going exercise is different the definition of exercise actually like joe you really want to use the word active and it's just moving and that in itself is exercise but the modality the change the volume the intensity of it all is completely different but it's as important at that moment and i think what you've said there is just exactly what you know we're wanting people to hear and rather than being worried that i'm not going to do anything because i don't do any exercise because i'm nervous of doing things wrong or pushing myself too far as you said listening to your body and mm. you know go outside and go around the block and that's and tell yourself that's enough yeah yeah and, and I think there's like 
you're never too old to find a new sport and to do new things. Like I came to rowing, I mean, not late. I was like 19, 20, but, you know, a lot compared to a lot of the people who were doing it, you know, and where I've got to in my sport, um, you know, I, I, that's quite unconventional. A lot of people started a lot younger. But like, sadly, it's actually because of probably my surgery mastectomy it's not actually something that's probably really an option for me anymore but as part of um we were trying out this new but we were doing kind of a bit of a mixed bag of kind of different weeks and doing different sports um I did like um uh BJJ and I did some like Brazilian jiu-jitsu which I've never done any any sort of I didn't do like karate or anything like that as a kid um and I loved it and it was like it was so cool and I was literally like <laughs> me and this other cox were actually trying against each other so it was kind of funny we were, we were good friends but obviously for understandable reasons I wasn't being pitted against you know the, the six foot five guys because yeah no matter how scrappy I am I definitely they'd, they'd absolutely kill me but like I was like I love this this is so fun like and I went and did a couple of sessions and you know I'm this like five foot two little girl turning up with these like you know stereotypical like big tattoo I love like it yeah and it was so much fun um yeah and yeah there and you like, there's you know, a new sport there we go yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and so there are you know it's, it's never too late to kind of find find a different sport um and and yeah yeah again like exercise doesn't need to be it I think to me exercise is movement but it's also it's about for me I, I love you know a team sport and doing stuff with other people um and even if that's going to the gym with someone else or going on, I mean, I have I've refused to, to be fair, I've refused to run with anyone else. Um, but um, going and doing doing different things, um, it's it's really good. Um, I did actually did a I did a campaign for um, a cancer charity, and um, involved running on a beach. Um, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, you should come along. It'd be, you know, it'd be really good." I say, "Yeah, I was really excited. I turned up. It was Flip and Greg Rutherford." And I was like, are you kidding? Are you Amazing. actually kidding? We've got an Olympic champion in a set running. Yeah, he does the jumping, but he also has to run really fast. I was like, <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> so running along with him. He was lovely. He was so nice. But I was thinking I'm out of my depth. <laughs> and also the beach is harder. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was also like a month or so ago when the weather we'd had amazing weather you know that summer that we had for about 10 minutes um and then it was like the one day in the middle of that week where it was so cold um but probably a good thing so I was absolutely blowing so <laughs> so on the topic of running and uh you're wearing a pair of headphones so potentially mm-hmm. a music listener you might have heard us ask um Ed this question it's it's our closing question that we like to get insight into people's music tastes so mm-hmm. If you had to pick a track or a song um, to have something that gets you up in the morning or gets you training or kind of represents what you're all about, what would it be? Um, It's actually, so I actually started listening to it. So my pre-race playlist is a real mixed bag. Um, It's a mix of like... I need more detail of the mixed bag. (laughs) Okay. It's like... Some songs from the musical from Hamilton. <laughs> okay. oh, it's a great start. It's a great yeah. Start. So like um, Stormzy and George Ezra, real mixed bag. Never sure what you're gonna get. But if I had to, yeah. Um, it's but depends on like how hyped I want to be. Um, and I also because obviously a lot of I do a lot of you know uh, talking and communicating and stuff. 
um I listen to quite a lot of like rap and things like that um because I help you know just kind of gets my head thinking quickly and communicating but if I was kind of picking one one I've kind of added to the playlist recently would probably be Audacity by Stormzy um because I really I got really into the lyrics because also it was it was before the Euros and there was this German the German four at the moment is they think they are they are kind of the numero uno which we've proved otherwise but they're like and so I was like that's it was a bit of a like you're so audacious that you think you're gonna be yeah like are you <laughs> yeah. so there's a bit of there's a bit of that I love Stormzy I'm actually going to see him this weekend um oh, nice. got, when we yeah when we come back from um we've got a few days off before we start our next part of our camp um but yeah that that would probably be my my number one choice well uh, honestly thank you so much I think it's been so enjoyable just that I've got no doubt that Paris is going to get it and you're going to come back as champions um but on the same front the I just think it's amazing that people are going to hopefully get an insight of the journey you've been through to get there as well which is amazing so no brilliant yeah. thank you so much yeah thank you so yeah, much thank for... you yeah thank you for having me it's been lovely yeah it's been uh yeah it's really great and yeah and anyone anyone who's listening you know just get out and get moving because it's it's just so so good for you yeah <laughs> <Listen to Aaron>. <laughs> <laughs> i loved i absolutely loved that <laughs> just <laughs> fantastic on so many levels and yeah what what a what a story but I've got to say just the the snippets and the commentary that she gives alongside <laughs> the main the conversation for me just it's fantastic it was so real wasn't it so I loved real. it and then, I also yeah, I, I love the fact that as she said she's like she paid to talk that's her job I I mean and in a completely like complimentary way Erin bossed that. Yeah, oh no, without a doubt. <laughs> it was literally just a guide from us. We might have just, you know, but it was... And just, but so straight talking at the same time and just like, you know, no beating around the bush. It's like, this is, yeah. So, yeah, and super concise. So art- so articulate. And yeah. and actually, every bit of the message was brilliant because it was, I felt that, yeah, I mean, she's an international athlete. She's a world champion. Yeah, but also she broke it down in such a way that it is possible, it is digestible, and there's lots of. So yeah, no, I, I thought it was and fantastic. I think for some people, be listening to it and are maybe in a similar situation themselves with a cancer diagnosis, and they can see that you know even world class athletes, you know, have the symptoms that they're perhaps experiencing, and if she can get back to the level that she mm. is again now then you know they can you know get back to where they want to be as well and I think it's um very inspirational as well as um you know just fascinating to to see her the way she dealt with it and where she's already now it's amazing no I'm, I mean also yeah. we should probably say thanks to Ed because Ed actually organized that for us which is brilliant um so thanks ed if you're listening um because that you know that's definitely yeah. thanks to you um but no i i think i'm i'm so supportive and i think there's such a clear message out there but also on the same front what fun 
Like, yeah, maybe you know, absolutely. Really fun. Chatted all Loved day. that. Yeah, could have spoken all day. So, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. On that note, well, yeah, that's see fun. you on the other side. See you later. Bye. Be the first to hear about our new episodes and find more information.